So as y'all know, we're doing the Sermon on the Mount. So you can find me at Matthew 7, 1 through 12. And while you're getting there, Eric isn't here. He's the high school pastor. I'm an adult leader um, for the landing and for HSM. He'll be back next week. He's preaching at Hume um, Junior High, I believe. <clears throat> and so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, obviously, I love the Raiders. Um, forget whoever just booed me. Uh, you know, so we're doing Matthew 7, 1 through 12. Um, and it's going to seem kind of like two different sections and kind of not related, but hopefully by the end of this, we'll be able to pull it together and see how they link up. Um, I'm also going to be bouncing around, not a, actually, yeah, a lot. Um, so you don't need to necessarily write down every single verse, hopefully on your little thing. Can I get an extra one of those? Whoever's not using them? I just want to see what I even put. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. There's a bunch of verses that I put down. You don't got to write them down all by now. I'm going to say some other ones. Um, just put that on your notes and revisit them another time. So, starting Matthew 7, 1. Um, the last sermon was, uh, I believe, two weeks ago by Eric Vasquez. That was a real solid one. You should go check it out. Uh, it was finishing Matthew 6. So, Jesus is uh, still doing Sermon on the Mount. It's going to finish at the end of this chapter. In this section, we're going to go through judging others. Um, and then an ask, seek, knock portion. I hope that through this time, we kind of get to debunk some, some things that maybe we thought were biblically true, um, maybe some things that you've heard about Christians, maybe there's some partial truth in there, maybe some, some things that aren't so true. So um, as we dive in, just keep your eyes on those things. So out the gate, this is not referring to someone who is you know, just walking, you know, foot, foot, uh, you know, step by step with the Lord. This is, this is talking to the Pharisees in this first little section. So this is Jesus talking. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And remember the Pharisees, fancy word for kind of like the high teachers of the law, the scholars, the top of the Jewish faith. Um, there's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Those are a different group. But the Pharisees were typically those who knew the Old Testament the best, who were top dogs, but also the, the people that, that didn't really live what they taught. And it's the people that Jesus kind of went after the most. So... <clears throat> Continuing, he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, I was gonna use a different analogy, and I will, but I will use a very literal one. So he's talking about speck of sawdust, you know, plank. I'll give you a little story of a friend of mine who was wildly stubborn in terms of like doctors and things like this, kinda, not, not I wouldn't say super prideful, but prideful. It's a kinda to himself guy, like to build things, this, this, and that. This is years and years ago. And he liked to build stuff in his garage. And so he was working, he had this kind of crazy metal grinding wheel that he would help sharpen things or cut things. I don't even know, I'm terrible with things that are handy. Um, so he had this thing, he was working on this project and a, a chunk of this metal, you know, bounced off and just went straight into his eye. 
like, like not like a brick, but, but it was a lot. <clears throat> and it was in there, in there. And so he, no, so no, if that happened to me, you better believe like I'm just like, like 911, you can come get me right now. Like I'm not waiting any time. Somebody's gonna take me to the hospital. Um, but him decided, I'm Mr. Fix-It. Let me try to get it out myself, which is problem one through 10. So instead of just going to the hospital, them taking it out, no problem. He tries to get his industrial grade magnet and put it up to his eye, and you could see the metal start to move, like, like kind of come to the surface, but not quite break through. And so it looked disgusting. And so he did this, it just wasn't happening, he was kind of trying to poke and prod with tweezers, and it just, it wasn't coming out. So finally, after a couple of days of like, barely being able to close it and blink and sleep, he goes to the doctor, they get it out within like five minutes, of course, and it was painless. Um, and so that's him. Fast forward like a little bit longer and I, long story short, uh, went down to South America. I got bit by something while on a missions trip. I get sick and I have been, it's been nine years this month um, since then and I still am sick, still dealing with some things. Um, but in that first couple months, he was like right there. And so things would pop up and that kind of fix-it mentality would kick in. He's like, oh, you should go to the doctor. You should whatever, whatever. And so I was like, but dude, like, you don't even live by the things that you are talking about. You know, I had this issue and you want to tell me to go see medical help and do whatever, whatever. This dude tried to pull a metal piece out of his eye with an industrial grade uh, magnetic thing. And so this is how I think of this verse. This is how foolish that sounds. You know, he's saying, you, you have a little you have a big plank in your eye and you're trying to tell Riley in the front row, you got a little bit of sawdust right there. I need to address what's happening with me before I'm even talking about what's happening with somebody else. I need to back up the words that I'm talking with my life before I go tell you to do anything. If I, as an HSM leader and a landing leader and not keeping it real with my own issues and working and reading and praying, then why should I be telling you students to do it? You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean I'm perfect, doesn't mean that any of your leaders are perfect, but it does mean that we need to be on our toes, that we need to be honest, that we need to um, be pursuing Christ. Otherwise, you're not gonna believe it. If you guys are doing driver's ed, 15, 16, whatever, behind the wheel type stuff, and your parents say, you need to slow down, whatever, whatever, you can't have road rage, you gotta have good judgment, and they're straight like road ragers, how much are you gonna listen to them, you know? So same, same way, like if, if we as Christians are telling people who are outside the world, you need to do this, 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 and this, and we're not doing it, why would they listen? One of the biggest knocks on our community, and I'm talking about across the country, not just here, uh, is that we're hypocrites. You know, we say a bunch of things and we don't live it. We have a double standard, we have a double life, and you know, proud of it. Not like, hey, I'm struggling with this and I think that you need to, you know, kind of run from that, but like, you need to run. I'm not even about that. And then meanwhile, I'm doing whatever it is that is. So we need to really take a look at our life. Our life. And I'm going to get back to that later, but we need to make sure that we are living in such a way that glorifies God. And this isn't just saying you can't judge nobody. We're called to judge those inside the church. Uh, Matthew, <clears throat> let's see. Matthew 15, eight through nine, 18, 15 through 20, 
and 1 Corinthians 5 are all going to show you different places in the Bible where Jesus or Paul are going to set up biblical accountability and judgment through brothers and sisters who are struggling with sin. So Jesus is not ignoring holding people to a standard or ignoring uh, being on our game uh, morally or spiritually or anything like that. But he is talking and condemning about a um, judgment that is seeking to tear down others and one that is completely contradictory in our own lives. <clears throat> Interesting that the Pharisees were these people. They knew all the words. They knew of God, but they didn't know God here. There's a big difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. So when I say heart, because I'm going to bring that up a lot tonight, the, the, the title of the sermon is heart check. That's a very kind of Christianese phrase. Maybe this is your first time ever being to a church. When, when, when you hear heart, um, here's a little definition my Bible gave. The center of a person's life, including the mind, the will, and the emotions. So kind of like the whole hub of who you are as a being is your heart. So <clears throat> a famous verse kind of talking about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees is going to be, um, ooh, let me find it. Hold on. Oh, right here. Yeah, so the, the one I just mentioned, Matthew 15, 8 through 9. It's later on in the book, but he's going to be talking about the Pharisees saying, you, and he's quoting Isaiah, you praise me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So like newsflash, us in this building, we can sing songs, we can go to Bible study, we could be raised in the church, whatever it is, and you could still be har far from God heart-wise. So it's always important that we're checking ourselves and where we're at. So, continuing with the verse, it says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your other's eye. Remember, be looking after yourself before we start going and trying to get other people to hop on board with us. This next verse, verse six, is kind of the anomaly of the whole section. It seems like it's kind of out of pocket, and it is a little bit. It's going to say, do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Okay, what the heck, right? So, so dogs and pigs in ancient Jewish culture are kind of like super boo-boo, super trash, don't want anything to do with them. It is very, very unclean. And so this is kind of parably, you know, kind of code talk for Jesus saying like, you know, are you, you need to present the gospel to people who like are really ready to receive it. We're called to give the gospel to everybody. But if there's people who are just like not wanting it, not having it, that's okay. We're going to present it. It's our, it is our duty to live the gospel, spread it. But for those who don't want it, Jesus himself later on in Matthew 10, 14 says to go one by one, through, or, you know, two by two throughout the towns as he's sending out the 12 disciples and says like, if people welcome you, great, come in and kick it with them. That's my paraphrase. It's not the message. But if they're not, if they're not down, then dust, you know, dust the sand, uh, get the dust off your sandal, pretty much get the dirt off your shoulder and keep it pushing to the next town. So this is similar to that. You know, if you're going to give something beautiful like pearls or something sacred to a dog or a pig, they have no regard for it and they're just going to mush it all out, stomp all over it. So the gospel is something treasured and sacred. And for those who just don't want it or don't want to be a part of it, they're not even going to vibe with you. So 
We're called to give um, a testament to Christ. It is our job to present the gospel. It is God's job to save people. That is not our job. So um, if someone just slaps you in the face after you say, you know, this is what I'm about, it's okay. You know, get the dirt off your shoulder and keep it pushing. Jesus himself said it. <clears throat> Last part is ask, seek, and knock. And it's going to be 7 through 12. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Uh, seeking you will find, <clears throat> knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? That sounds cold-blooded, right? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then though are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. So we're going to go through this um, just step by step. Oh, good. I'm still straight with time. Okay. <clears throat> so as we go through this, this is another misnomer maybe through Christianity. Hold on. Let me get some water. I drank the Sprite and there's water in it, I promise. Um, <laughs> I swear, it's water. Um, another misnomer is kind of like this, you know, oh, I know that if I ask anything in God's name, he's going to give it to me, you know. Jesus ain't a genie, you know, he's not a magic eight ball. He's not just trying to bend over backwards to give us everything that we want. This is all said in the context of what we just read and what Eric preached two weeks ago. Matthew 6.33, right above where we first started. Just go up there. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So it's as we put God first, he gives us the priority list, then he will start to answer those prayers. As we really seek his face and our will lines up with his will, then what we're asking is ultimately things that he would be pleased with. It's not like, man, God, I just really want this like cherry red 64 Impala with like gold spokes on it. I would love that. If you want to hook me up with that, you can definitely do that. But he's not interested in giving me the right paint color on a car. Jesus is concerned with the souls of people and advancing his kingdom and getting the glory. So like that prayer, you know, is kind of like a Bruce Almighty prayer. And he's not going to say yes. You know, I, I hope he doesn't say yes. It's a dangerous prayer to pray that he would just give me everything that I want. So when we pray for things, we need to make sure, are they lined up with his will? Here's a couple other verses for you to kind of back up what I'm going to say. So Matthew 6, 33 was one. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which is a famous one. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, trust in the Lord, and he will direct your paths or make your path straight, depending on your translation. So, so don't trust your own understanding. Trust in God, and then the straight path follows. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then these things will be given unto you. Psalm 30, uh, 37, 4 through 5. Let me pull that up real quick. Very, very similar. Oh, I'm going backwards. <clears throat> This is one that's taken out of context a lot. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. People stop right there. And they don't flip the page to number five. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. 
you know, so it's kind of that Salabar Christianity. I love talking about that. It's kind of like, I like this, so I'm going to do that. I don't like this. You can keep that. Hold the tomatoes. I hate mayo. All that good stuff. You can't do that with the Bible. You, ha- you have to take it how it is. And so, you know, yes, he will give us the desires of our heart as we commit our ways and ourselves to him and trust in him, and he will do this. When you're praying, think about this. God will typically give you one of four responses. Yes, no, and kind of the third is kind of a fourth as well. Not now or like maybe later kind of thing. So, you know, God, I, I pray for that guy or girl. Uh, you can say you're a high school student. Come into my life, whatever, whatever. Maybe it's a yes, and here they are. Maybe it's a no, bump that. Maybe it's a wait, and it's a later, and it's a different person or something else like this. So we want this instant prayer response, and sometimes we just need to sit and wait in the Lord. You know, my thing is always caution, caution. If you're, if you're somebody, and I've been here myself early in my days with the Lord, be like, I just feel like God's doing, you know, tell me to do this. And somebody said, well, when's the last time you read? When's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you sought wise counsel on that? And I was like, nope, nope, nope. Then how in the world am I supposed to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, knowing where he's leading me and guiding me? So if you're looking for an answer and you really, really want it, think back to what it says. <clears throat> oh, where's my sheet again? Oh yeah, here it is. In Leviticus 19:18, And Jesus will quote that in Matthew 22:37 as well. It's gonna be love the Lord God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, all your body, all that good stuff and then love others as yourself. So if I'm really seeking after the Lord with everything I have, I'm really trying to line up my will with his will, not only will I avoid the the hypocrisy in in one one through five, but I will also start to understand what it means to pray the prayers that are in seven through 11. You know, so it's, it's a big deal for us to really reflect and think on where we're at. How do we do this though? Like, I don't wanna just give you that and be like, well, you gotta just start reading and praying. I mean, that is part of it. That is part of it. And I'm gonna close on this. If you want anything to pray, if you want to start to, you know, I don't wanna be a hypocrite and I do wanna know his will and how do I even get to this place? How does my heart change? It has to be the Lord. And this is the prayer that I had for you guys on your memory verse. And this is a dangerous prayer to pray for the sake that it just might happen and your world gets turned upside down worse than the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Okay, here it is. Psalm 139. Hold on. Oh, it's not on here. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's on the back. My bad. 139, 23 through 24. Search me, God and know my heart, test me and, my, and know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So notice that progression. You know, you're really being honest before God, saying, God, I want you to search me, right? Like, how scary is it to know that if Jesus pulled up next to me, he wouldn't just have to watch my life and the words that I say, he can directly look into my thoughts. You know, I heard one Christian Uh, like kind of poet speaker one time say like if you're kind of this hypocrite from the front what would it be like if somebody hooked up your thoughts to a projector screen and put it on blast in front of everybody would you be comfortable with that whoa yikes don't go there but Jesus does go there 
And it's cool because he knows us and he wants to forgive us despite knowing what wicked things are stored up here. So when I say search me, God, that means go through everything, what's in my heart, my motives for doing things, the things that I say, and know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. So if there's anything that you don't like, boom, get rid of it. Lead me in the way everlasting. There's always that progression. You know, God will answer our prayers in a bold, bold way and give us the desires of our heart as we seek his face and line up with his will. He will help us to not be a hypocrite by revealing our sin to us, healing us of our brokenness, and then gently restoring brothers and sisters in the correct way to judge people. When we seek his face, you know, all these different things, it all goes back to the heart. It all goes back to God first. And so if there's anything that you want to remember in terms of a verse, that's it right there. That's the prayer to pray. And I promise you, your, your life will get real different if you, if you pray that and you mean that. And if you're not there with God, that's cool. You know, I hope that you hang out with us and I hope that all of our lives reflect the God that we serve. And that should be something that's the flip of the original statement I had. The Christians are known for being quote unquote hypocrites or fake. Maybe we don't follow through with what we, what we say. We need to, we need to follow through with what we say. We need to not just talk about it. We need to be about it. But another verse on there is gonna be um, what Jesus says later on in Matthew is gonna say like, the way that they're gonna know, and this is the last verse, sorry. But if you do, oh, no, no, that's wrong. Yeah, so in everything, do not, or uh, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. So if I am being someone who's seeking the Lord's face, he's gonna increase my love for him and increase my love for others. So instead of Christians having this representation of being hypocrites, I hope that we're known for our love and for the way that we pursue people, the way that we love people, the way that we meet them in their brokenness, the way that we're a ride or die friend, the way that we're committed husbands and fathers and wives and mothers and grandparents and uncles and all these things in between. I pray that instead of knowing us for our hypocrisy and our two-facedness, that people would start to know us as being passionate lovers of Christ and, and just down people for one another. And that can only start with you. You know, that goes back to that, you know, stop telling someone else to do it. If you want to start a revival, you draw a circle around yourself and it starts with you and then the ripple effect goes outward. Um, My last thought, I was going to just skip over it, but you know what? This hits home for me. So this talking about this kind of this father and this good gift aspect, you know, some of you guys might be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, good fathers would give their kids good gifts. What if you grew up with a father that wasn't there or that did some unspeakable things to you or your loved ones? or something like this. Like, that's gonna have an impact with the way that you view God. That was my dynamic with my dad, and that's something that's always a battle. Not viewing, you know, my father in heaven as the earthly dad that, you know, did some crazy stuff. So, if that's you, like, don't trip. Get to know the God in the Bible and help him to redefine the role of father the way it's supposed to be. And you can look at others who are doing it and say, that's what a real father is supposed to look like. So I have some crazy questions on here for you that hopefully are going to hit hard if you take them serious. So I hope that you guys really dive into that. I hope that you are are praying this prayer and really searching your heart and knowing um, all these different things that that God wants for us. Let me pray for us and then uh, we'll go off to small groups. Father God, we covered a lot of content. And I pray that whatever you want them to retain, they will retain. 
Whatever you want them to forget, God, let it be so. I pray that we would increase in our knowledge of who you are and your love and the way that you do love us. I pray that we would look at ourselves and our hearts. And if we feel bold enough, I pray that we would pray Psalms 139, 24 through 25. Lord, that we would offer up our hearts to you and ask that you would get rid of the things that are not of you and that you would give us the things that are gonna be pleasing to you. They're gonna help us grow in our relationship with you. Will we be people that are known for our love and the way we follow through and the way that we represent you to the fullest. In your name I pray, amen. All right.